All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. And with that familiar music, as I'm <coughs> fond of saying, you are listening to a new episode of The Podcast. And here is Gary. Hey. And we are joined by one of our biggest fans ever. Chris, would you introduce yourself? Hi, Chris Karam, 35-year veteran of the KISS Armory, uh, KISS obsessive, and general KISS fan. And how did you find out about the podcast and how long you've been listening? Favorite episode, least favorite episodes? And you can just tell me that I'm your favorite host. Well, that goes without saying. Sorry. Okay, thank you. Chris, just Chris, just tell him or, or he'll never shut up. Yes, that's true. Just, well, just first him. first of all, if I could kiss your ring, Podfather, I would, because, you know, it's an honor and a privilege on the wedding day of your daughter to be doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that having been said, I discovered podcast about three and a half years ago, I probably through KissFAQ. And I was telling Ken earlier that I had been saying for a long time, it wouldn't be cool if there was a Kiss talk show. And then I'm like, oh, that's foolishness, you know. And I wasn't aware of pod, the podcast world in general at that and time. Leave it and then to Gary and I to, you know, indulge in foolishness. So, right. Hey, but you, you guys do it very well. You guys do it very, very well. Thank you. And we, as far we're as pretty as, foolish people. Yes. That's that's what makes it uh, so great. So great, though, you know. Well, thank you. And as far as I was going to say, as far as favorite shows, I, I don't think it's single out just one, uh, but I, I, I tend to favor the album roundtable shows. Those tend to be the most fun. I like those a lot. They're yeah, you guys, you know, you get like Matt and Cassius and, you know, all the other guys that you get in on it. It's, it's usually a lot of fun, you know. Just to hear, you know, someone like Joe Casey uh, describe the Killers album cover as a goddamn abomination. <laughs> and that, you know, that just that just set me over the know, edge. Know, like, in fact, if I'm ever on a podcast, I want him to say that to me, you know, to me personally. Right. He told me I'm a you know I'm an abomination. Right. Yeah. No. Joe, Joe, dreams Joe's dreams do come true. I'm sure they will. <laughs> yeah. When we do the 25th anniversary of Hot in the Shade next year, um, we'll have you on and we'll have Joe on, and he can say, you know, I don't know what the Sphinx is about. It's a goddamn abomination, you know, or something like that. <laughs> well, I can already already if you, if you if you put me on the Hot in the Shade show, prepare for me to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure you won't be alone. My least favorite kiss out. Me too. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to say what mine is, man. What is it? I think it's Lick It Up. Really? Yep. Blasphemer. And you know, it's got to be pretty compelling for me to say that when Gene's my favorite member and you get three of his songs in a row and I still don't like the record. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's not that, it's not that, for me, it's not that the high points aren't high, but, oof. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like a, it. I never think, I want to listen to Kiss. Oh, I know. Lick It Up. It just never happens. My, my, I was my uh, okay. wife's least favorite Kiss album is Animalize, mm. and uh, the song, uh, w w what's the one song on there? Uh, Burn, Bitch, Burn? No, no, the other one about fire. Um, I've I've had enough into the fire. Yeah? That was her first reaction upon hearing it. Oh, my God, yeah. that's I've had enough, yeah. I like that record. Anyway, oh. anyway. We'll, we'll talk more about 80s Kiss later, but. As a matter of uh, fact, how about right now? Ooh, Let's I like it. that. All right. Well, wait. Before we do that, our fan of the month, Mr. Mike Sanchez. Yay. Mr. Sanchez is a duty head 
and uh, he knows what that means. He uh, he he uh, liked us on Facebook and is a proud member of the podcast army. And he also left us a very nice review on iTunes. So anybody that hasn't left left us a review on iTunes, whether you like us or not, please do so. We'd love to to hear from you there. So just make sure that it's a positive review. No, it can be negative. I don't. As long and it, Ken's right, it can be negative as long as it's positive. Okay, psycho. So anyway, <laughs> and with that amount of ado, we will go on to the next thing. Um, so we were kind of discussing uh, '80s Kiss and how it affected the reunion, and the reunion was such a big deal. Right. But uh, I was talking to Chris off air, and we were saying, well. What would have happened if Kiss would have folded up the tent after the Dynasty tour? 1979, done. Right. 1996 rolls around. Does that throng of people still show up? Oh, absolutely. You think so? Um, I do think so, yeah. I, I think so because when you hmm. – Ah, thoughts are entering your head. All right, all right. Let me qualify what I, what I was saying. I, right. I would say that they would show up. Provided Kiss maintained some kind of presence with, you know, even if it was once every five years, putting out something archival. Yeah, but you know, they like, wouldn't have. Well, no, I mean, think I'm thinking about it. Yeah, but think about it. At this at this point, all right, for the rules of our game, since I'm the I'm the podfather, I'm going to set the rules up. Okay. Since I am the podfather, I bring to you this scenario. Um. <laughs> Kiss rolls up the tent in 1979. No lick it up, no elder, no asylum, no crazy nights, no revenge, no unplugged. 1995, Gene and Paul get together and they say, maybe we should call Ace and Pete and see what's up. All right. Fraley's Comets has put their albums out. Pete yeah, has yeah. done his album. Gene did his movies and an album. Paul did his album. And they were not collaborating in any way. Correct. There's no Kissologies. Maybe a Best of Kiss album. Maybe right. Smashes, Thrashes, and Hits actually comes out as a contractual obligation. And no video compilations. No, like, it, no Exposed. N- now, again, no Exposed. Even if it didn't include, you know, the band, the monkey, the you know, the interviews and all that shenanigans, but it was just vintage clips. Not yet. No. You know, because I'm thinking about, you know, when I was growing up, buying, you know, best of records for, um, or like rarities, new rarities albums for like the 13th floor elevators kind of bands, mm-hmm. like that, you know, hadn't been around, you know what I mean? That had no presence in the limelight. Or like the MC5, right? right? Not, not, you know, not really a limelight band, although I guess they've been active on and off, but... You know, they, they continue to put out, like, archival this or blah, blah, blah. And I would see a band like Kiss, even if they folded up in 79, still having had a massive um, impact because in 1995 and 94 and before, guitarists and musicians in general were still saying, you know, Kiss Alive was the record that did, you know, Destroyer and Rock and Roll Over and all that stuff that still would have happened. Right, Cause so so they still would have been influential. Well, I think that Without a doubt. the legend would have been influential. The okay. the what what had come, but see, here's the way I look at it. This okay. this is this is my thinking. Okay, 
had there not been the fall, you couldn't have had the return, the the uh, the unmasked lick it up, if you will. And along with that come Asylum. Now, Chris, when was your first concert ever? The Asylum Tour. There you it, go. Yeah, it's mm. actually the show that they talk about in Kiss Confidential where uh, the electricity, the power went out after one song. Mm. I don't remember and, that. Yeah, sure. yeah, they're they're backstage discussing, they're doing like a thing. They, they're pretending like they're reading uh, letters from the fans, mm-hmm. and they discuss a show in, in Massachusetts where the power went out after one song, and I was there. Because uh, they don't follow it up with that they did come back an hour later and they did finish the show. Very cool. where, where was this? Springfield, Mass. Springfield, Massachusetts at the uh, Springfield Civic Center. Two years later, at the, I was at the Worcester Centrum show in January of 88 where they filmed Turn Worcester. Night. And Worcester. Worcester. They filmed uh, Turn on the Night there. Oh, nice. Well, you know what's funny about it? They shot the lip sync four times, and, yeah. you know, we didn't care. And then Paul said, like, you know, we're going to do anything you guys want. What? You want to hear Shout It Out Loud? Okay. Right. Well, no, I'm sorry, it was Strutter. And I'm thinking, wow, they're going to do Strutter. And, you know, of course, back then I still believed that, you know, this stuff wasn't pre-planned. I thought that they really were listening to someone in the audience requesting that. Right. Still young and naive, but... And and it may have been, but it was just serendipity, you know? It just worked out that way.
also, there's also a funny moment at that show. Um, back then, they had fire laws that wouldn't allow any fire or pyro, and Paul Stanley started doing this rant about, you know, the state of the state of Massachusetts not allowing them to set off their fireworks. And I swear to God, I thought at that point there was going to be a big blast or something, but it didn't happen. Oh man. Mm. I was going to do a Paul Stanley imitation, but uh, go for no, it. No, no. <laughs> Especially so, after hearing. Uh, wait, so God. you were? Wait, you have you spotted yourself in the video? No, no. Okay, and you, but you do you remember seeing all the stuff that like were you there when the chick ha- has the axe and she? No, I think that stuff was added later. Yeah, that was added later. Okay. okay. Yeah, they just changed they just changed outfits a couple of times and just did a straight lip sync. It was there was nothing no lightning striking from you know the stage or anything like that. <laughs> right. Have so you ever seen the uh, double DVD compilation of the outtakes from that where it's just seeing them okay. with the individual cameras like and here's the Gene Cam. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, no, I, I thank God. Yeah, I, you know, I have that. It's one of those things that it's like, well, sure, this is going around the trade circle. Let me, let me grab it. And I, I, you know, I watched about five minutes of it. I'm like, okay, I get it. It's like, oh, yeah. well, I mean, I don't care how much you love Kiss. You can only watch Bruce or Eric, Gene or Paul so long before you go, okay, that's. But that's I'll tell you what, I'm such an obsessive fan that um, when it comes to audio, that I would listen to something like I would listen to take after take after take after take of a song. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like what's something minor- like the- yeah, no, go like ahead. something like the complete unplugged sessions. That's been yeah, circulating. yeah, 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 absolutely. That's that to me is very different. Speaking of that DVD set, I'm surprised there haven't been like fan uh, made edits of the Crazy Nights videos or Turn On the Nights or whatever there was from that. Well, if like, they want to do know. some reshoots with me, I'd be happy to do it. You'd be ready to. No, I, I've right you know, put on a few pounds since then, but I can probably you know recreate the look. With a little CGI. With a little, with a little CGI, as long as you get the double chin out, I'd be happy. Right. <laughs> and and the yeah. stomach and you know, but whatever. But getting back to the topic at hand, yep. I feel that the reunion legend grew of of what those guys were. I think that that grew every time Kiss appeared on MTV. Every time they were asked in Rip Magazine, every time that they put out something like Exposed or Smashes, Thrashes and Hits, every time that they did that, it made the hunger for what came before it that much bigger. Well, particularly when you have them saying, you know, no. Yeah. Yeah. Right? When you ask, I mean, you know, when you want something and someone says, no, you may not have it. uh, Well, actually, they said no, no, no. Yes, they said no, no, no. Right, and, and they shouldn't because you shouldn't say you won't if you will, right? Yes, exactly. Okay, but think my... about it. Kiss were four slobs from New York or four well-dressed guys, however you want to put it, from New York that nobody wanted to take a picture of ever. They put the makeup on, said you can't take a picture of us. All of a sudden, people are offering a million dollars to take a picture of them. Mm-hmm. So in that same respect, uh, when nobody was asking for a reunion – it was one thing, but when they started asking for a union, we're told no. That only made that grow. And I think, I think the thing that really said we've we've got to do this was the exposed videotape. And had that not come out, I don't yeah, think that the reunion you think so? would happen. I you honestly think so? believe that. But that was, I mean, you know, the, I'm surprised to hear you say that, Chris. I want to hear what you think because this is right right when you started seeing them live, right? Right. I mean, because to me, this is the I mean, that was not that long after Lick It Up, really. Right. I mean, well, Kiss, I, you, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, when I first saw Exposed, that, for me, that was the first time seeing a lot of that stuff. 
Oh, me you know, too. I, had, I, didn't, you know, I didn't even own a VCR, and I didn't know about KISS, you know, video bootlegs or anything like that. So I was like, wow, you know, this is awesome. And, you know, it was, it was really – and plus, you know, the TNA didn't hurt either. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it definitely stoked the, the fires for that. You know, definitely. I'm sure – and I'm sure some people who were seeing the makeup stuff for the first time had to be watching that going, oh, wow, that's them. Right. And yeah, but, I think that you know, did that anyone created, not know? I mean, were there? Do you are, are, are you, do you think that there were fans who didn't, who just got on board for you know, Tears Are Falling or Heavens on Fire and didn't really? Put I think that, that together? I think that those people that came along from the unmasked time, they never got to experience what came before. They might have heard. What their, their older brothers and sisters or cousins had said or seen. And there is also the people who were little kids during the dynasty time where Kiss Meets the Phantom that parents said, I'm not taking you to see that. that oh, that's, just get that out of your head. No, that's absolutely right. No, I, I, and then uh, they were yeah. of a driving age. No, I get, I get that, but n- not that I'm saying that they didn't get to experience it. I'm saying, right. You know, do you think that there were people who hopped on, you know, around Animal Eyes or Asylum who didn't realize? I don't think so, right? I, it would have taken I, five seconds. I think seconds. it's impossible. Right. Okay, not, good. Not to have some yeah. awareness of it. Yeah, but you also got to understand that in 1984, to print a picture of Old Kiss was like out of date. Nobody mm-hmm. wanted that concept. They just didn't. It was dead. It was gone. And... I mean, look at look at the lick it up thing. It it happened. It was it was a big success. No matter how good the music or how bad the music was on that album, the press was here. They are without the makeup. And I agree I, with what Paul Stanley says in Kissology in the commentary. You know, he says um, people hear with their eyes because, and he says arguably Creatures is a better record, but Lick It Up outsold it because of the visual um, impact of Kiss without makeup. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. So Chris, Chris, I really – oh, go on. Chris, Chris, I think you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Well, no, I was just – I was going to say I can remember going to work one day after school, and I had a copy of Circus with me, and it had a picture of uh, Kiss Without the Makeup. It was, I think it was their year-end issue, and, and they were – and I just remember Vinny was wearing lavender leather. Mm. And, well, that's, and, 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 that's my and, favorite color yeah, of well, leather he, to wear. Right. Oh, okay. That's um, Gary. I'm wearing it right now. When you you know when you're gonna wear when you're gonna wear lavender, wear leather. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And I remember I was reading through it, and someone like, "Who's that?" It goes, "Oh, that's Kiss." Oh yeah, they took their makeup off. That's what they look like. Oh, they're ugly. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, but I mean, but there was curiosity, and obviously, you know, Look It Up did better than Creatures. I think it went gold and eventually platinum. Then Animalize went double platinum fairly quickly, as I recall. Right. And you know, like, and it's true. There was a lot of interest because I think a lot of the people who disdained Kiss because they wore makeup were suddenly maybe inclined to listen to them. Actually, they gave them a second get, chance. That's a great point. Their, yeah. And get beyond their perception. Right. And it was the right time for them to become a heavier band, which they did. Right, Creatures and Lick It Up, and even Animal Eyes are heavier records. Asylum is heavy, but you if know, you if you hold them, they're like they're like by great. the unmasked. If 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 you're holding Dynasty on Unmasked, you literally will feel the weight. Well, hold on a second. If, if Unmasked is pressed on 180 gram vinyl, it does feel heavy. Exactly. Hey, it's the only time that record is heavy. Um, this is true. But, 
Yeah, but so so they made heavy records and everything, and, and it was the right time for them to do that. But let me let me just go, go to a different, slightly different point here that I that I'm thinking about. Okay, so I know that the discussion is whether or not it would have happened, right? I mean, I know you're not. I know I know we're not saying could it could Kiss have broken up in '79, right? Because of course they couldn't have. It, it because if they if it could have, it would have happened. You know what happened happened. But what I'm wondering is, in your scenario, Ken, did a lot of bad stuff take place to make them give up in 79? And I'm asking that because even when they were, you know, hitting a, a low point in terms of finance, finances and popularity, right, creatures. Yes. They're, you know, they... The tenacity, they, they, they still clung right. to it. They kept pushing. Right. And, I mean, you know, Asylum Tour, when the audience... Um, you know, when the audience was low attendance and heck, even revenge, right? But what would have ha- what would have had to happen to to override that tenacity? Because if something, because in order to have made Gene and Paul quit, there had to have been some some big deal that that they said, you know what, forget it, it's not worth it, and that would have, I think, shaped a reunion. Well, I How think, about this? Oh, go on, go on. Go on. I, the, the only thing I can possibly think of would be Gene and Paul having some kind of a falling out. No, that's happened plenty of times, I'm sure. Right. Well, but but one that was, <laughs> no, but like one that, a really big one. Well, that happens right? every other, that happens every other week, but uh, something fatal, something that just would have ended it right then and there, something that okay. they couldn't have gotten past. That not even you know uh, a big foreign tour that with big money that would have you know overridden that. So my second my second favorite band by a by a slim margin is Pink Floyd. So you're talking about uh, if they'd had a like a Waters and Gilmore thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. all uh, right. Hey, I see I, that. I'm gonna have to interrupt this and do a major cough. <clears throat> okay, cough break over. Admiral cough. Do you, you want to do a retake on that? No. Don don do I never want to cough again. This is my fourth week. Guilty flame, got no rhythm. <laughs> I, uh, I'm never going to cough again. Sorry. Ken, you are right. He is a cut up. Yes, he is. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, so, so what you're saying is something would have had to happen that the Dynasty Tour would have done so bad and that uh, the album would have underpor- underperformed so much, the Dynasty would have underperformed so much that basically there is no longer any market for Kiss. Stress within the band led them to fire Bill O'Coin. Ace quits, Pete quits, Ace quits, and Gene and Paul said, I'm done with you. And mm-hmm. they try to do their own thing. Right. Right, which would have, I think, made it more desirable to the public, at least to the people who still cared about the band, right? I mean, because you're – cause, right, because actually my question is silly. You're, I'm, I'm assuming after Creatures they break up. You're saying before there even is a Creatures. Oh, Yeah. Right, so creatures, in a way, as far as musically, right? It, musically, it kind of it it helped a tarnished legacy. Right. Well, right. Definitely. Well, well so you, you're, you're you're saying they bow out tarnished. Right. Okay. And that's it. And Paul decides he's going to do like a solo tour, like around the time Billy Squire puts out something, Paul's got something out. Same kind of thing. Bruce. Right. Uh, here, we'll even go really weird. Bruce Kulick is now his guitar player. Uh, Paul. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Gene's make. Gene's making movies. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just say, you know, but you're gonna get Bob. He's better than Ace. Oh, there you go. Uh-huh. And, uh... <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. <clears throat> well, you know, that's interesting because you get a Paul Stanley 
and and whichever Kulik and and presumably maybe like an Eric Singer, right? Right. And yeah. and uh, you know, he like might Paul, been, he might have, he might have even discovered Eric Carr possibly. Right. Oh, you know, good point. Good. No, that's great. Yeah, good point. He would have held auditions or something, and 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 then you're into this alternate reality where Paul decides, I, hey, I don't want to be in Kiss anymore, but I still want to be, you know, rich and famous. Right. And uh, and he makes it big. Does he still get to date Lisa Hartman in this reality? Sure. Why? Uh, yes. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll give him that, but he doesn't get to go on MTV dressed like Santa Claus. That's right. That's or right Radio out. 1990. Yeah. Right. 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 None of that. But um, all right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do we, uh, do we think it still would have had the same draw? Now I'm second guessing myself. Well, I'm going to post well, you an alternate scenario if I, okay. if I can. Please. Why not? Let's do it. And, and I'm, and I'm sort of basing this on something that happened. Um, around 1990, I remember I was going to go see the Hot in the Shade tour, and I was telling somebody about it, and, they, and their response was, "Oh, they're still together." Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's, it's possible, probably not likely, but that. If they hadn't done any archival videos or greatest hits or anything to kind of keep the Kiss name out there, it's possible there may have been a almost complete lack of interest or, or a significant lack of interest in a '96 reunion. Well, that's why I, you know I, I I said yeah I absolutely agree with you, Chris, and that's why I said at least you know every five years there has to be some kind of reminder. Yeah, hey, remember these guys? Here's this thing. But here's the thing. In 1979, Kiss's musical credibility was that of the Partridge families. <laughs> In what year? 1979. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, I, would, I, would, I would actually, well, maybe 1980 more so. Yeah, but a Partridge but, family reunion would would still garner go some. Go Danny I mean, Bonaducci. But yeah. Susan Day is the holdout, always the holdout. Yeah. Um, all that aside. I think that had you not had to lick it up, had you not had the team still performing and the exposed video and the unplugged, I don't think you would have had that perfect storm come together to make people care about the reunion of the original Kiss. I agree. Uh, For example, I'll bring the Sex Pistols into this. There's People talk about how much... Why? How, how, how influential <laughs> the Sex Pistols are. What a huge album, never mind the bollocks, is. One of the greatest selling albums of all time, blah, blah, blah. One of the highest critically acclaimed albums of all time, blah, blah, blah. It took blah, 20 blah. years to go gold. Exactly. Right. And when the Sex Pistols did get together, it was basically a footnote on Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, because they did that around the same time as the Kiss reunion. Exactly. It was almost right. nothing. Yeah, they sold forty dollars worth of tickets that year. So, yeah. well, I look the- at I look at Kiss, who was looked at as a joke by the rock community. You think all of a sudden, you know, Nirvana's doing their thing, and people are just going to go without having any of that exposed and unplugged stuff come to life. That there would have been the perfect setup that, you know, like it's like a golf. It's on the tee. Just tap it in. That was what the reunion was. Had work not have been done to keep Kiss in the spotlight on some level and as we discussed earlier, telling the media, no, there will not be a reunion. It's not going to happen. We'll never wear the makeup again. Right, because because even if you don't – even if you're not a fan of Kiss – 
from 83 to 95, even if you don't care about them, you still it still registers somewhere in your brain when you go to the newsstand and it's like, oh, there's Kiss on the cover of a magazine. Or, you know, when you go to the record store and it's like, or, you know, if you're watching TV on a, on a Thursday night and, you know, Kiss, Animalize, the new record in stores now, you know, it still registers in your brain. Right. Right. So people people needed to see that. And I agree with whomever it was that said earlier about um, credibility that had they split in 79, they would have um, they would have entered the history books as a gimmick and nothing more and no longevity and no tenacity and all those other gymnasium and blah, blah, blah. And right. And and they and it would have just been kiss the kiss the gimmick band. Right. And I think that. Eventually, they would have had a nice box set put out by Rhino, who would have got right. all of it. They would have put it out. There might have been a TV movie or VH1 would have done something. Mm-hmm. And, and we would have had a small reunion, but I don't think it would have been anything like the <clears throat> domination that occurred. Right. I think, well, I think that, again, that perfect storm had to happen. Well, another well, fact. No, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Another factor that I think plays into it is that by the time they did the reunion, the 70s nostalgia thing was in full force. Oh, absolutely. And just in, and not just for Kiss in general, but if you look back on it, starting around 93, Kiss was already starting in retro mode. Mm-hmm. They were making steps in that direction. you know. And, and part of it was due to the fact that commercially, you know, the revenge lineup was just played out, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Commercially speaking. I mean, I love that tour, and I think that's a great album, but... They needed uh, they needed that seventies nostalgia. It didn't, you know, it certainly didn't hurt. And then you know the unplugged and the Grammy Awards appearance that just kind of built it to a you know a fever pitch. Yep, the perfect storm again. Do you know what I'm thinking about? Besides hot dogs, Ken, Ken what are you wearing? Oh no, um, no, I'll tell you Personally? what I'm thinking. No, not so much. No, um, what I'm thinking about is lavender leather. Definitely not, and definitely not on Vinny. Um, what I'm thinking about is this. Uh, I, I'm I'm a I'm a behaviorist, and I'm thinking about. Um, Schedules of reinforcement. Okay, so what I mean by that is this: Isn't that that yeah. new sitcom that's on uh, CBS? Yeah, tonight, <laughs> right after Two and a Half Men. Schedules of reinforcement. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Kiss had Kiss had all of us on an intermittent schedule of reinforcement during the '80s, meaning that um, they played us like a slot machine, right? Because if you play a slot machine, you will win a jackpot, but you don't know when. And you don't know how much, and you and you can't predict when it's going to happen. So you keep playing, which is why it's addictive. I feel like right? a Pavlov dog. Yeah, uh, well, that's mm, except that the Pavlov's dog was a fixed schedule, which is right. what it's been since '96. So, right. um, and and that's why eventually um, that connection reaches uh, habituation. In other words, you can only ring that bell so many times, and the dog's going to salivate before the dog says, uh, "I'm bored." Right. But if you give which people, we'll get back to. Right, but. Right. Well, right. Okay. On yeah. schedules of reinforcement, Thursday nights at nine. Yeah. Exactly. No, but if you if you give a little bit every now and then, like Kiss did with the archival footage in in uh, in the video cassette, or putting a few old school Kiss songs in the set list from time to time, um, you know, on the Asylum and Crazy Nights and Hot in the Shade tours, right? If you give a little um, taste of what people want intermittently, it does keep them interested. And then you build up the momentum by having things like the conventions, right, where they they get to ask these questions and there's like, oh, now Peter's coming out. It's like a little, mm, you know, you're almost hitting the jackpot and then bit, blammo, 
96 hits and you have all these people who've been strung along for years, not in a misleading way, but they've been kept interested. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm not one of those people because I would have been interested anyway. Right. But I, but, right. but I, but we, you know, all three of us know fans for sure who were just holding out. <clears throat> like they stayed on board. They still saw the tours and stuff. Right. And they may have still bought the records, but all they were waiting for was the reunion. Yeah, well, I myself dropped out around the hot and the shade time. It just became boring to me. Mm. And, uh, but I think that, uh, you know, going back to the diehards versus the, uh, casuals, they, the casuals thought that there was, you know, the casuals didn't know that the revenge tour wasn't boffo sacco, that it wasn't the best thing since sliced bread and that it wasn't a sellout every night. They sure. thought that Kiss, because the hype machine never stopped. I mean, I remember going to those asylum shows, which, which was, which was Chris's first concert. And right. make no mistake, most of the, a lot of the people that are listening to this show, a lot of people that post on the message boards and stuff, their first concerts, a lot of them 80. were during those unmasked years. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, you know, there's the there's the people that were there in the 70s, but those people came along and those people helped carry the torch of Kiss. But when Entertainment Tonight or Access Hollywood or any stupid thing said, and the Kiss Army, millions strong, had the Crazy Nights and all those other things not kept that illusion going, it would have been, where's the Kiss Army? Because it would have been crickets. Right, right. Because you don't, you didn't hear news coverage. I don't think you heard so much news coverage saying, um, you know, tonight Kiss played at the Thunderdome and uh, all 12 people showed up. <laughs> what right. they, who, who do they think they're fooling? <laughs> yeah, that no. didn't happen. Now, do you remember Dennis Miller, what he said? Oh, my God. I was so glad that he had to eat his whoop. words. Yeah, yeah oh, that was great. Yeah. Tell right, the story. He, tell the story. If I'm not mistaken, he showed it in something before the reunion. He showed an empty, and I think it was before the reunion was even announced, or there was a reunion. Like a, he showed it like a picture of an empty arena, and he said, "Hey, what's this? It's a Kiss reunion, right?" And it was, oh, yeah. and that was the joke. Nobody was there. But when he when, when he had to introduce him at the MTV Awards, and they played under the Brooklyn Bridge, he was the one that had to say, "You wanted the best, you got the best kiss." Mm-hmm. And you could tell it just he didn't like he didn't like it. He even, yeah, well. Well, I'm just telling you that in 1992, I don't care how many people liked what kind of music. At at that time, if there would have been nothing that ever happened from 1979 to the reunion, people wouldn't have got as fired up. The the, the casuals would not have showed up. The diehards would have, but the casuals wouldn't have. I'll tell you what. And the casuals were the right. people that saw Heavens on Fire on MTV. The casuals were the people that might have saw Tears Are Falling. They might have liked that one song, or they might have seen Gene do this or Paul do that on MTV. That's those are the people that that made up the casuals that, that showed up. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. So and, and, every, and, every, and during those years, those you know the the, un, the non makeup years. Everybody knew somebody who was a Kiss fan and still went to the concerts, right? Because we all, like, um, like Chris was saying, right? We all had to hear during those years. Oh, they're still around. Yeah, yeah. Right? 
And and you're right, Ken. I love the point that you made, um, which is nobody knew whether those were well-attended shows or not. Nobody really knew how well those records were selling or not. Even if you went to the record store and saw it in the cutout bin, well, a lot of top artists went to the cutout bin. Right. Yeah, and right? I remember you'd get the tour book every year and, and add in uh, Hip Parader or Circus or Rip, and there's Kiss, and you'd see Platinum Album, Platinum Album, Platinum Album, Platinum Album. It didn't like, oh, this one sucked and shouldn't even be listed. You know what I mean? Everything right. was gold and platinum. Well, that's all did. we knew. Although they did omit some of the catalog when the CDs first came out. Mm. When the first batch of CDs, because you couldn't get the solo albums or the Elder. Hmm. First, right? Is that right? Yeah, like, like uh, the first, not the, not the, um, like remix. the first wave or whatever. The very first ones that came on 1987, uh, the solo albums and the Elder were not in that batch. Huh? Yeah. The, wow. In fact, I remember the solo albums coming out roughly about a year later. And I, I can just, just imagine the uh, music industry going, "Not those things again." Wow. <laughs> right. Wow. We have to reprint those. I had yeah. to spend thirty dollars on a Japanese copy of the uh, the Elder, and then I get it home and realize that Escape from the Island is not on it. Well, oh, because it was on Killers. Yeah, probably. Huh. I, oh, wow. I, they have to issue that now, though. You realize and have you speaking over it? <clears throat> yes, exactly. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Now that you listen to the Elder, you hear, it, and that's our show. Thanks for listening. Should, no, last last weekend I was cleaning my apartment and I had Elder <laughs> on, and all of a sudden, you know. Escape from the Island comes on. All of a sudden, in my head, I hear, and that's our show. <laughs> Let's go back to Pavlov for a second, right? Okay. As long as we're talking about conditioning and reinforcement. Well, this, I also want to go to the next topic, so please tie this in somehow. Oh, well, that's what, I, that's what I'm – yeah. Okay. Okay. Because, uh, you know, you, you can only ring the bell so many times. Ring my bell. You can only do that so many times before the, the person goes, eh, whatever, right? Mm. So – I think where you were going with that, you were, I think you were going to say, would a reunion now or a farewell tour or whatever with the original lineup and the makeup and, and, and be a blip on the radar for anyone other than uh, the people who are already committed or dropped out and don't care? Okay, here's my thinking. I think that a reunion or farewell tour would be a success. I think it would do better than Kisses right now, but I don't think it would be substantially so. I don't think it would be on the level of the 1996-97 reunion tour. No, I don't think it would be anywhere like that. No. Of course. And my reason being is that if you're if it's 2010, 2012, whatever, you're sitting at a Live Nation event and you're seeing the pyro, you're seeing the makeup, you're seeing Kiss, you're seeing the whole Megillah. You've seen it already. You've seen it over the last six years. Every chance you could, you could have seen Kiss now. Right, because let's face it, the 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 the, the draw of the reunion wasn't. It just, wasn't just the originals. It was. I mean, that was a big thing for for us, of course. That was a huge thing. Right. But but when you know when they went up at the end of Black Diamond and it was the the cats it, when you when you, when we were looking at the inside of Alive Two in front of our eyes. And you know, and it was unfolding in all reality right there in front of us. That was the money shot, right? Yeah. And, and and now that you can get that all the time, you know, people are still with going Motley Crue yeah. or Motley, yeah. without, right? Right. Well, you, you know, going back to the general public perception, a friend of mine a few years ago at work, we were having a discussion, and Kiss came up, and he said, "Yeah, those guys still on their reunion tour." Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Right. So again, you know, I, to someone like that, like, but I thought they already were on a reunion tour, right? You know, or the farewell, or you know, whatever you want to call it. So I think Kiss is gonna get to a point, and and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say a few things. I don't want to ruffle any feathers on Paul's uh, monster <laughs> costume, his armband. Yeah, but um, or anybody's feathers. But I think that. Kiss seems to, in my mind, go on a five to six year uh, bender. Hike. Not bender, but <laughs> That's it. like, like for example, you had seventy three to seventy nine, and that in that point they scaled the heights. Then they dropped, hit the bottoms, bounced back up, and you, you would see height to height to height all through their career. And in a sense, after the reunion. Or during the reunion, there was nowhere to go but down. Mm-hmm. They hit that. They started rebuilding with Eric and Tommy around 2004. Tommy. And what was that? Eric and Tommy? Yeah, yeah. With, with, when the Rock the Nation tour and stuff. Oh, right. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I misunderstood. I thought you were talking about the 80s. Never mind. No, no. Right, but right, but they right. uh, around 2004, right? They they you know they'd had the like they were at the, the last point again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right. They were back I mean, to creatures in their mind. They were back to kind of. I mean, that's a hard that's a hard sell because they'd just come off the uh, Aerosmith co-headline, and that was very successful and popular and all that. But yeah, I mean, basically they were like, "What are we going to do now?" I think. Right. Right. Yep. And they were trying to just sort of um, string along, capitalize, market the what they had started in '96, the the whole reunion thing. Right, right, right. So you're thinking five year cycles. So go on. You, you don't want to ruffle any feathers, but yeah. So I'm to the point now where it's basically like Kiss is doing the unforgivable sin to its uh, fan base. They're kind of boring us in a sense. They're putting us on the, uh, you know, here's the same thing over and over and over again. And as and as great. Or as, as, you know, as, as much a person might love Monster or might not, or Sonic Boom for that matter, if those albums would have came out around the same time that, uh, the Kissology DVD sets came out, I think they would have sold a ton more. And a lot of that would have to do with the fact people were still actually buying albums. <laughs> but right. there was also, there was a, a real hunger for Kiss. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, this is when people were, constantly asking hey are you gonna make more music hey are you gonna make more music and then just i mean this is yeah uh, this is kiss's folly just as you've extinguished that any hope for it you 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 put it out which is the uh, opposite of the pick the are you gonna get back together thing it was the opposite it was like oh well we no longer care and now you've done it uh well well, wait, no, I okay, maybe we're talking differently. Okay, because I'm saying that just when people no longer care to – like just when people had gotten used to the idea that they're right. not going to get new music from Kiss, mm-hmm. Kiss puts out new music. But I think with the reunion thing, people never stopped asking and they never believed that it wouldn't perhaps someday happen, right? right. Because I believed that there was not going to be a sonic boom. I, yeah, believe, I believe they were done. Yeah, right. So I mean, I think for a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, they had asked the question. They'd heard, you know, what's the point of putting out another record? You know, it'll never be Love Gun or blah blah blah. Um, you almost think, trained us to believe that, so we like rolled up our spiritual tent and said, "Okay, I'm done." 
right? I mean, we all bought it. We all, I think, liked Sonic Boom and Monster, and I, they're, I still they're, they're good albums. I enjoy I, them. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. I think um, right around that time of the Kissologies, and certainly like the, you know, 2008 would have been the latest because that was the Alive 35, and that was um like they went to you know Europe and big popular. I mean, if they could sell cologne and perfume. <laughs> Right. They could have sold that album. They didn't sell it to me. Right. right. You see where I'm coming from? Sure, but, sure, but something, sure. But something else was happening at the same time, though, around 2008. That was when you had the Eagles and Journey doing those Walmart exclusives. Exactly. That, that, they, sold, that sold pretty well, especially in the case of the Eagles. They almost right. missed the boat on it. And then they, well, that, they jumped on it a year later, and it, you know, it did okay, but it didn't quite do the business that it might have done a year earlier. I think that a lot of KISS fans were shocked that, like, wait a second, these are the numbers? Because it, it was almost like a guarantee that the, just being involved with Walmart, you, you were yeah. guaranteed. Right, but here's the thing, okay? People really do love Journey who don't really – who aren't Journey fans and don't even like music, okay? And I'm, and I'm saying that, like, anecdotally. Like, I don't know the numbers and I don't think there's data, but, like – I know we we all I think probably know lots of people who own a Journey's greatest hits record and don't really collect music and don't really care about Journey. But it, you know, but when you're at Walmart and you're perusing the music section and you see like, oh, there's a new Journey record out and I can get this with the second bonus CD and it's only you know ten dollars, like great, and I'm already uh, right, and I'm already buying milk, right? So like, uh, why not? I need something for the ride home. Uh-huh. To listen to, and, and I and I love all these songs. Maybe the new ones I'll spend once or twice. That's what didn't happen with Kiss because Kiss have never ever ever been that band, right? They've been bigger, and they've and they've stuck around, and they've had more of a cultural impact, and we love them more. But Kiss have never been a band that you know Joanne SUV driver is going to go into Walmart and say like, oh uh, yeah, I'll have one of those. Right, but I think that. Had they pushed this fact that you were also getting a greatest hits collection, and if they had been a year or two earlier, mm. but it, it kisses is kind of in many ways as dangerous as they were and as groundbreaking as they were. They still copied Alice Cooper. They still copied the Dolls. They still copy. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So in that same sense, kisses always played it safe sometimes, and I feel that by playing it safe. With that trend of the Walmart, Best Buy, so on, so exclusives, that they missed that target while people were still buying albums. I mean, the fact that you could get Kiss's greatest hits plus their new album plus a DVD, mm-hmm. it 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 should have been a no-brainer, or especially around Halloween. But that's a whole other subject. But uh, and they also you know, want so- to save me. Yeah, go ahead. They also want to save me big bucks on that. Uh, you know, the re-recording discs. Exactly. And I could right. save a I mean- lot of money. By instead of buying uh, J- Jadutsko R- R- Reducen or whatever, that's the mo- that's the slaughtering of that name, by the way. That's a big he, word in Japanese, though. Yes, uh, all, like of Japanese. all of our all of our Japanese fan <laughs> is of, is right now screaming at his yeah. MP3 player. Right. What is wrong with you, Ken? Right. In, in Japanese, you bring dishonor to me. Hey, you know, I I uh, I went to the Beatles website one time, the official Beatles website, uh-huh. and they. They had a quote from some journalist, I don't know who, and it said, it described the Beatles as the greatest romance of the 20th century. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I, 
I loved it because it. Um, who who would have ever thought to? Well, I actually think Alec Baldwin might have said that. You know, yeah, whoever yeah, whoever it was, it's perfect because you know it it is it is a a real love affair. Yeah. Between the Beatles and and their fans, mm-hmm. and I think um I think in in that spirit, the template for a, a rock star is you know don't ever get married because then your fans will not be interested anymore, or don't ever get um, passe or or whatever because then people won't care anymore. Right. Kiss, I, I think wow. Kiss are are off the dating circuit. They're well, done dating. What well, they're the quote, what they are now is they're happily married. Well, the quote right? Gene Simmons. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I think to quote Gene Simmons, "Are you thinking of getting married? Don't." Right. <laughs> right. Well, and and that's the thing. Is I that, said that I, to my cousin, by the way, before he got married several times. Oh God. You know, he's in, he's in, he's in on the joke. We used to How's play. The, we used to, are, are they still together? Yes, yes, and they just had a beautiful baby boy last year. There you go. Okay. So I bought, and I bought him. I bought him a kiss onesie for. Was uh, he named Gary or Ken? Uh no. No, well, Ken, well, Chris, it's been nice having you on the show. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, guys. You know. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no, no, no. I, I, I think that I think that they, I think Kiss are no longer, um, they no longer have to attract people, right? They're done dating. They now have uh, an audience that, like, to which they are married happily. And if you think about like an old married couple, like we go to those concerts and we don't mind hearing the same jokes over and over again. Like we've we've grown into a uh, we've come to a place of comfortable familiarity and still excitement. Which brings us to our third point. Go on. <laughs> but am I right though? I mean, like we like I don't know. I go to a Kiss concert. I still get excited. I still love it. I, like the night of a Kiss show, I'm still Look, happy. Man, as- there's nothing in the world like nope. the band coming on and you hear Deuce. There's just this, nothing. It's great. It's great. Or that it's open great. drone. Yeah, yeah that, there's that nothing drone. like especially because you you know we can all take someone new to their first. I don't know how many people. We've all taken their first Kiss concert, but a lot, I imagine, right? But but they don't have to, they don't have to be sexy anymore because they already got the cow, right? They're already married, <laughs> you know. By the way, during the reunion, got milk. Did you guys, uh, <laughs> right? Did you guys feel a certain like smugness because there were people that yeah. I remember seeing at the Richfield Coliseum or the the Pittsburgh Arena who had bad mouth Kiss. During those lean years, no, I didn't feel smugness as much as I felt some, some sense of resentment actually, because um, I didn't I didn't like that people were showing up now because I it was I like you don't belong in this holy place. Yeah, and did, Chris, did you just say you'd been there all along? Right, and yeah. you know it's it's funny because this guy I worked with was telling me that he'd went to the reunion tour and his attitude was you know well I got to relive my childhood I'm done. Right. Wow. And, you know, I mean, it's, you know, at least he's honest about it. But yeah. and I have a feeling that was probably true of a lot of people. Well, not a lot, but a pretty good number of people who went to those shows. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you what. I remember seeing something about Star Wars on TV when it came out in theaters again uh, in yeah. the '90s, and they had like Valerie Bertinelli on there, and she was like, "Mark Hamill and, and Harrison Ford." You know, they, I didn't know who was cuter. <laughs> and I was just, and I, and I was watching. I'm like, "Oh God!" Because you you wonder that all the time. Because it's like you know, who's cuter, Harrison? Obviously, I mean Harrison Ford. That's a debate for another show. Now, is that Mark Hamill with or without his cybernetic hand? It's the feathered hair. You know, it's always the feathered feathered hair. No, no. Fact. But I'll tell you what, it's um. All the I could appear and I get on this one. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Now it's all out there. Yep. Which, which I guess begs the question of which member of Kiss would look good in a gold medal bikini? 
And the answer Dave is Vincent. <laughs> Vincent, obviously, right? Yeah. That's well, the only goal, answer. you know. So and what's the third that, point? Uh, and is this the, the third, third point? point? Well, during the asylum era, that might have that might have worked. Yeah, exactly. Um, we love interviews. I used to collect interviews. Uh, I recently found an interview pressed on CD, and you know, you used to get those picture disc interviews, mm-hmm. and it was just great. And when the internet, you know, the, when you first got on the internet, and you could, you know, get off dial up and. You would just grab any interview you could. Mm-hmm. I used to collect KISS interviews. I no longer collect KISS interviews. You mean ones that have happened in the past few years? Correct. R- r- yes, of course. I, I know. I feel the same way. And you you said that you know we're, we're hearing the same thing over and again, over again. But I swear to God, if I hear Paul Stanley um, – Say they welcomed us with open arms and open legs. It's just I don't know what I'll do. I'll just roll my eyes again. Ken, you yeah. know you know what my solution to that was? What? They need a drunk ace to show up and crash one of their interviews. Just randomly, just yeah, just randomly show up and just take over the interview like they did in 1979 on Tom Snyder. Like it'd be a great Family Guy type thing. Someone oh, it'd be needs awesome. to, someone needs to buy Tommy a drink. Um, but what 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 I think. Uh, though is that uh... <laughs> no but could you just imagine uh, Gene sitting there on a couch with Paul and they're talking to the thing he says well even though you didn't mention it rock and bruise is the highest growing thing <laughs> hey Carly your Gene impression is getting scarily close I'll tell you what it's really good Ken's just going to wake up one morning and be Gene Simmons the pizza we have at Rock and Brew. But, but, you know, you mentioned that Rock and Brew interview. I'll tell you, that is one of the oh. best Kiss interviews I've seen in a long time because it was – I mean, you know, they were still playing the part, but it was unscripted. And it has one of my new favorite Paul Stanley lines, which is, it's been 40 years. It feels like 40 minutes underwater. And I thought that was <laughs> one of the funniest things I, Paul Stanley has ever said. Gene kept – and I love Gene. You know I love Gene. But – even Paul's sitting there like, would you lay off? They're going to ask about the product. Just hold on a second. Because they'd say like, well, Gene, you have a big tongue. And Gene would be like, well, now that you didn't mention it, Rock and Bruise is the number one. You know one. what, though? I'll tell you why, he's, I'll tell you why I think he's doing that. Why? Is because I bet you anything that part of the – Unspoken contract of of making new records of ha- you know ke- you know continuing to be Kiss is that Gene agrees to to uh, to give to stop hogging the limelight and give Paul his his, uh, his you know his props. I mean, and you see it. He's like the truth is I would you know I wouldn't get up he's, out of bed. He's my brother. And, right. You know. In the morning, I would just stay in my pajamas all day. The red footy ones. If it wasn't for this guy. Meanwhile, Paul's sitting there going. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's doing all the lifting. He's doing all the heavy lifting. I just that- like my tongue and bopping on stage. But Paul's doing the whole heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting if that was actually true. But um. Anyway, uh, this yeah. is why the podcast will get shut down right here, Chris. Well, at least I get to be on the final episode. There you I'll go. Tell, I'll tell you what, just for a second, I want to. I'm, I'm saying this in the hopes that someone runs with this. Okay. Okay. Um, it is not. It is. It is not nice and very bad and naughty, naughty, naughty to sell Kiss CDs that are illegal, that the band doesn't make music, and that you're using the Kiss name. However, comma, 
Um, I love those interview CDs. And if anybody ever put out an unofficial KISS interview CD that was called from interviews that we did on podcast, I would buy 10 copies and I would treasure them and cherish them. And love because, them and hold them and pet them and, and squeeze them? In sickness and in health. And call them George. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I would love that because I, uh, cause a lot of those interviews on those, on those unofficial picture discs and all that are fan interviews from the 80s and 90s and I would love to have a podcast interview make it to a CD. That would be dope. If you're listening, do it. Repurpose the podcast. Yeah. I don't care. You could use my voice. You could use my name. I don't care. I just, I think that we, if I go to the import section of a record store, remember those? And yep. I see one of those oh, yes. one day, I'm going to be stoked as heck to buy it. It's going to be bundled with the next album at the Walmart exclusive. There you Chikuko go. Ritsuden featuring Ken Mills. Um, Super cool. Uh, so anyway, we're talking about interviews, which we've had a lot of requests to do this show. This this what we're going to be talking about next. But there's one interview when you think of great Kiss interviews. There's one interview that 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 is the Magilla, the big one, the New York Yankees of Kiss interviews, and that okay. is Ken. Ken, I have to interrupt you. New York Yankees. I, I have to automatically defy you. With Red Sox, because okay, Red Sox. If anybody listens to this, if one person listens to this from New, you know, New England and doesn't hear me defend the Red Sox, even though I'm not a sports you'll, fan, you'll hear. For, for I'll catch it. holy hell. Right, that's right, right, right. Yeah, but but there's one Kiss interview that stands out among them all, and that is, of course, the 1983 Entertainment Tonight. No, sorry, that's that's not the one. Uh, <laughs> it's the Tom Schneider Tomorrow interview done oh, yeah. on Halloween night. What are your Happy thoughts? Happy Halloween, Jim? everybody! What 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 are your thoughts, gentlemen? Chris, do you go first. Uh, the quintessential Kiss interview of all time. One that I watch at least once a year. I, I was telling Ken earlier that um, my cousin and I have watched that thing so many times that in the course of just normal conversations, we slip into lines from that. Of course. Or, or we'll paraphrase it. You know, I, I swear to God, every time I talk to him, it's like Brian, I love you. I'll see you uh, yeah, New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it, it's oh. just it's just a source of you know constant entertainment and and hilarity. But yeah, it's, it's great. It, it, it's it's kind of the equivalent of Monty Python and the Holy Grail in that you meet somebody in a bar or wherever church wherever, <laughs> and you say, "I saw that Kiss interview." You're gonna it's it's a riff of lines one after the other. Except that uh, Gene would be playing like the general in this episode, but he's not as funny. But you know, you know what? Here's the thing about that interview. I mean, besides that, it's you know, aside from the obvious that it is the greatest Kiss interview. That if you want to show someone what Kiss is all about in their prime, you 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 show them, you know, you show them Houston '77 and this interview, okay? right? But but uh, I'll tell you what. The narrative in the fan base is that Gene and Paul are big angry sourpusses. That they go back to the dressing room afterwards, and that it's holy hell, or it's just icy icy cold anger. That they go off in their four separate limousines. But I've heard. I don't remember who recently said it, but I heard otherwise. I heard someone saying, nah, back in the dressing room, everyone was having a good time. Yeah. And I don't remember who it was or what the context was, and I wish I could remember. I remember Paul did an interview about it is that was it? long ago. I think right? that's the one, yeah, where he says that everybody thought we were upset, and it wasn't so much that we were upset. It's just, you know, you try to do something that, that's going to last or make an impression, and it did, but we weren't 
really trying to make that impression, but you know, it's it's rock and roll, it's fun, and you go on. Well, Paul, it, to it is. Yeah, you, you go. I was just say Paul to his. I, I always even say Paul to his credit, at least tries to go along with it a little bit after he kind of gets his bearings. Right. I mean, he he even laughs a couple at a couple of things that they said. Whereas Gene just, you know, the, 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 once that sourpuss hits his face, forget it. It's over. Right. Uh, but, you know, so he's still, that swampland, you know. But he's still funny, though. I mean, the thing that I think everyone overlooks is that all four of them were, were pretty funny in that interview. Like, Gene has some right. really weirdo moments, and he says some funny things. And I love I love looking into that aspect of Gene's character Plus, where he's was neat cartoons to and movies and stuff. Yeah, and it was also neat to see how they had to, like, get permission from a coin for things. Can we say oh, hell on confession. TV? Can yeah. we say hell? Well, well, we pretty much raised hell. Right. Can, right. can we say raised hell? Yeah. Right. I, and, and interesting that he couldn't say that he was uh, from Jewish. Israel. Right? Yeah, 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 exactly. All of that stuff. And, and you know, it was um, – it's the – it's the perfect complement to the four solo albums in a way because it's like each guy in his own outer space world but brought together by by the fact that they're all Kiss, you know, and it's such and a great – Tom Snyder. Oh, my God. Such a great interview. But we still um, don't have space stations sur- sur- surrounding the Earth that right. are totally independent and powered by solar energy. Now, now, the fifth member of Kiss that night was Tom Snyder, and he, I think, did amazing. And no one ever talks about that, but uh, – I mean, the guy went with it. I mean, what he knew about Kiss, you could have filled a thimble with, you know, before that interview, obviously. You mean right. George? You mean George the bass player? Yeah, George the bass player, the prime example, yeah. and the fact that Ace was the quiet one. So, right there, you go. Now you're kind of like a spaceman, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, plumber. I just I also like watching those fuzzy gray caterpillars stuck to his forehead, though. Yeah, you know, Tom Snyder. Funny. Um, now, let me ask you guys this. I recorded that on cassette, and I would listen to the audio cassette mm. until, like, 1989. I got a videotape of it. Yeah, same year That's I got mine. So what was, your, what was your first viewing of it, or how did you stumble upon You know, how did you get access to it? 1991 high school. Uh, 91 or 92, high school bought a um on video cassette a, a 19 a compilation video of clips from the Dynasty era. Uh, bought it in in Greenwich Village, and uh, it had the vi- you know the promotional videos. It had some news coverage, and it had the Tom Snyder interview. And uh, it, it what was, did you think? Did you know what to I, expect? I, well, I watched it. I mean, had you read about it before? No, no, I had no. So you're just like you walked into it like a kid walking into a chainsaw. You don't know and, what's coming. And having never really seen interview footage with Ace, I mean, the, the most I'd heard, I think the most I'd ever heard Ace speak um, was on Exposed or something like that. Phantom of the Park. Phantom of the Park. There you go. Right. So I knew Ack and High Curly, and you know. Um, uh, and he's got guns, you know, whatever. But right. um, a little star power doesn't hurt either. You know, all those one-liners. But like, then he's so super funny. You know, if they, if we played in Bombay, they'd even be cows. You know, like stuff like that. It's just so like, <laughs> like that's a really good. Actually, you know, you know, I just have to say this. Ace still has, I think, my favorite Kiss member quote of all time. The single funniest thing that I've ever heard any member of Kiss say was during the uh, the album premiere on the radio for. 
Psycho Circus when they're about to play Journey of a Thousand Years, and the guy says, it's been like a journey for you, and, and he says, what is this, Siddhartha? Yeah, yeah. Which, like, to reference that, like, esoteric book and to make that joke, Ace is smart and super funny. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Such a great one. Yeah, but Absolutely. that, yeah, I loved it, and I thought Peter was super cool, too, in the Tom Snyder interview. Right? I love it when he gets pissed because, what, he can be a crime fighter. He can He's running around being a vampire. vampire. Yeah. yeah, and I can't be a gangster. I give all the money to the poor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, Chris, is that what he says? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. You just solved a, a – well, you know, know, there's, there's also something in there. And you I know what I – wait, wait, no, no, wait, hang on. Wait, wait, hold that thought because, you know, for the longest time, here's what I thought he was saying. Oh, I would have given all the money to Paul. Me- <laughs> Okay. Gene would, have, Gene would have hustled him for it first. No, no, me referencing uh, Paul being a crime fighter. Right. Oh, no. So that was your young... I would have given all the money to the poor. It makes way more sense. Thank you, Chris. Oh, no problem. Yeah. No, you, know. you were going to say something, though. Well, there's something I... I I'll, I'll first talk about how I came into contact with it. Uh, this guy I knew who ran a comic sh- shop, um, he made me a couple of VHS tapes with them, some Kiss stuff on it. And... I had never even heard of it or seen it, and uh, the copy that I had of the Tom Snyder interview was so co- it had been copied over so many times that it was black and white, oh, no. and just barely watchable. But even even with that, the the whole essence of the interview came through, and we would just watch it over and over, and, and we just die laughing. It was just hilarious. It's great. We and, would have uh, parties. We would have parties, my friends and I. And and something I didn't didn't notice till maybe a few years ago. Uh, and, and like I said, you know how sometimes when you watch something repeatedly, you get different things out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a scene where Gene, um, Ace is talking about the um, what was he talking about? The model airplanes or something? Yeah, like the radio that? controlled radio controlled helicopters or something like that, or model airplanes. And he was saying the Germans making one. And then he almost goes to make. Don't the do it, Ace. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And then you don't hear Gene. And I didn't notice that for years. I never do. picked up on that. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, you know, he was he, about to do the Nazi oh, thing. Oh, no, no, Don. He's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just, this guy's a good guy. I'm sure hey. after the show, he probably put on his outfit and, you know, went to Gene's uh, room. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's the, so the, many great lines. And then I, I think it's, I assume it's Bill O'Coin saying, would you please put the bear down? Yeah. He's he's right. telling you that you have to put the bear down. And and I read that Tom Snyder really was, like, possessive of that bear. He, he really wasn't kidding when he said, um, that bear is not leaving the studio. <laughs> right, 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 really, right. really, that really was his bear, so. And I'll say, and I'll, and I'll say one, one more thing, though, is, uh, it, for those of us who still go see Kiss. Yes. Right? For those of us who, you know, who we haven't given up yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we could watch something like Tom Snyder interview eight bazillion times, and like Chris said, we always notice something different or have a, a different appreciation for it or bring someone else along. And I think the reason why, for me, I still see Kiss every time I can in concert is because that's my experience of it. It's it it for me it the set lists get boring, but Kiss doesn't get old. Right. Right. Yeah. Slip into something a little more comfortable. I got this feeling. I got this feeling, Fresno. If everybody loosens up just a little bit tonight, I said, if everybody loosens up just a little bit tonight, we're gonna get this place so hot, we're gonna have to call out. (laughs) 
We're going to have to call out the firehouse. Chris, thanks for being on the show. Uh, Thank you for having me. I, I know it's it. been a lifelong dream. Of course, that would mean you've it's only a, been it's, living. It's an honor. Office. It's a distinction. It's you know, it's it's a dubious honor. I mean, an honor. Right. And uh, no, I appreciate it really. Thank you for coming and thank you for leaving. Uh, no, it's been great to have you on. I I, um, I always enjoy when we put out a new podcast that you make kind comments on Facebook. So thank you. So like us and find us on Facebook. Rate us on iTunes. We love you guys. 
And we hope to keep doing this as long as it's fun. So keep it fun. And we'll see you New Year's Eve. <laughs> God, God love you. Yeah. Uh, Come on, Chris, do an act. Yeah. Hey, one thing we do have to do, we have to dedicate this show to the memory of Hall's uh, – take two. We have to dedicate this episode to the memory of Hans Paulsons. And uh, you were a good guy and a great member of the KISS Army. Thanks from all of us to you. Safe yeah. journey. Absolutely. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. <laughs> <laughs>